Recorded live. Doing How you doing? Uh, doing all right, doing all right, man. Just uh, trying to find the time, brother. Trying to find the time. So you know. I, I I know the feeling, but I mean, I know you know the feeling. Do you ever sit down, man? Or you're always on the go, brother. <laughs> I try to, man. I try to find some time here and there, buddy. Yeah, I know. I know you're trying to make up for the time you're away, man. So I ain't hating. I think it's good, man. Yeah, I mean, right, so. right, right. It's right. it's like you won one of those trips on Wheel of Fortune, though, man. You see in all the cities in America. You know what I mean? <laughs> 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 trying to, buddy. Trying to. Oh man. All right. Um, yeah, I think we can get through this pretty quickly. Um, I just want. I know it's a short week, but. Uh, I got a couple of emails. People were like, where's the 71 South podcast? So we wanted to get you back on, get it going. So, Okay. Okay. Sounds good. All right. Um, you ready? Yep, I'm ready. All right. With an Ohio bias, probably presents the 71 South podcast featuring Garrett Staples. We talk all things Bengals here with the heartbeat and the pulse of the Cincinnati Bengals. Garrett, how are you doing this week coming up to Thursday Night Football? Hello, everyone. It's great to be back with OhioBias.com, and uh, I just look forward to getting into it. It's been a frustrating past two weeks dealing with the Steelers and then just coming off of this loss here with, with the home opener with Denver here in Cincinnati. And it's time to recruit, regroup on a uh, short week and get ready for Miami. Very short week, Thursday night football. The color rush uniforms will be in full effect, all white Bengals uh, with the stripes on the sides, uh, the piping. But as we look back, you talked about those two losses in this podcast. We're going to recap those games and get Garrett's observations, um, look at both the offensive and defensive sides of the ball, all the way from the protection, unit, the protection issues up front with the O-line, the A.J. Green's concentration, and – uh, looking at the necessity for that offense to have a secondary receiver emerge, also with Tim Santizi possibly not being so predictable with the play calling. Uh, then go over and look at the other side of the ball, the defense, and uh, Ken Doyle, the technique that he's using with the DBs and that rotation coming in and out, and again, Drake Kirkpatrick fighting those injuries. Um, and then, of course, we got some good news. The suspension is over. Number 55 is back. Tez is back. Montez perfect. So uh, we will get into that, all those things, and um, you talked about the two bad losses. Let's start with the Pittsburgh, uh, the trip to Pittsburgh, the tempest that happened, the rainstorm, and the Bengals just couldn't put enough points up. They lose that game 24 to 16. What were some of the takeaways you had from that contest? That's correct. You have a reoccurring theme this whole season that we really didn't have in Cincinnati as far as just protection issues across the whole offensive line. We've had an influx as far as you had a Andre Smith that went to Minnesota, and most Cincinnati Bengals fans, we wanted him gone. And we're actually kind of missing him now because that right tackle, Cedric Abwehi, he's he's actually struggling a bit. Kevin Zeitler, 
he's had his issues at right guard. And if you're talking Russell Bodine at center, there's a lot of people who are, are growing tired with him, uh, you know, letting penetration from the defensive tackles, nose tackles right up the gut. And if you're talking about left guard, uh, Clint Bowling, he's had his issues. So just across the board, when you have so many uh, influx of new guys, they're 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 having issues with protection issues and you know this is a reoccurring thing that's happened all three games and this is the first time here in Cincinnati we've ever seen uh Andy Dalton where he's had his helmet knocked off all three straight games you know he's basically been sacked more in the first three games than he has all season last year so the protection has to get cleaned up even if it comes down to uh subbing out maybe a, a younger guy like a boy he and bringing back in a veteran like Eric Winston at right tackle. And even if Clint Bowling is struggling, something like that, and bringing in one of the younger guys, uh, a Jake Fisher, a guy about his, out of his second year out of Oregon and moving him into the uh, left guard spot. Absolutely, absolutely. And uh, one of the things that was seen was that offense, you know, only getting the 17 points, Jeremy Hill with 22 yards against the Pittsburgh Steelers. Um, even though Gio Bernard had great success in the passing game with 100 yards receiving and a touchdown, uh, just you talked. I know one of the things you wanted to talk about Ken Sampezi, and we got two games here to examine. Um, but when we start with that Steelers game, it looked like the Cincinnati just didn't establish the run, which I know that's one of the things you preach. Correct, correct, and and just being AFC North teams in general, you you have to have a physicality to the game. And it starts with your offensive lines and defensive lines. The issue we're having with Ken Zampezi is, you know, if you go back all the way to week one with the Jets, Andy Dalton threw 56 times, and that's way too much. And you'll get your quarterback, you, you're leaving him open and susceptible to, you know, to injury when you're throwing that much because, you know, breakdowns and protection, you have a young offensive line trying to gel. And that, that kind of sort of thing can happen. And you pretty much had the same thing. In Pittsburgh, where you, it's it's a, a happy medium that you have to find as far as from run pass and pass to run. And right now, Ken Zampezi, we're having an issue here in Cincinnati where it's one or the other. He's either passing one game and getting pass happy, or he gets like this previous game against Denver because of the defensive line and the pressure that they're bringing that he wanted to go and, you know, really commit to the run. But, you know, when you're committing to the run like that, you still have to have that happy medium and mix it up, you know. So it was just predominantly run, and it, it was predictable, you know, and and that conservative play calling. you got to take some shots when you have a defense that's headhunting and bringing in such a rush. You know, there was no deep shots to keep DBs honest, and they were playing up on receivers. So those are things that have to be fixed, and you, you, you have to mix your play calling up. So those are the, the different issues that we're having with Ken Zampese. And, you know, it's a, it's definitely different from going from being a quarterback's coach from all this time, and now you're being inserted into that role as an offensive coordinator. And I definitely think it's just managing the game and being able to make those adjustments in-game is one of the big things you factor on. Uh, Roethlisberger had 259 yards passing and three touchdowns. Uh, what did you see on the defensive side of the ball in that Steelers game? The defensive side of the ball, you know, uh, I'm a I'm a huge Bengals fan, and, and Cincinnati in general, we have uh, we have some guys on the defensive line that have not been producing. And uh, when you think about nose tackle, we're talking about a Demata Peco, where you have 
an all-pro right next to him and uh, Geno Atkins. And you really haven't heard Geno Atkins' uh, name too much. And I think one thing that Pittsburgh kind of does that a lot of other teams are starting to do when you watch film is, okay, we're going to take away Geno and we're going to leave on a 4-3. We're basically going to double-team Geno and then we're going to leave D'Amato Pecco to basically beat man-on-man. And D'Amato Pecco, he is, he is not winning and that is basically causing, you know, the double teams on a Geno, uh, the chips on a Carlos Dunlap at defensive end. So you have basically two guys who are kind of, you know, they're producing on the defensive line. And then you have the other two, like a Demata Pecco, and you have a Michael Johnson who are who are not really producing like they need to be. And if you go back to the draft, uh, a key cog that we're really missing that's really hurting us right now is uh, – we had inserted and we had drafted a uh, Andrew Billings, and with that knee injury, it's it's really hurting us right now. Uh, Pat Sims has kind of been dinged up, and he's the backup for Demata Pecco, so we need Pat Sims to 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 really step up and bring it, you know, as far as stopping the run because we're really getting beat and manhandled up front in the trenches, and you can't have that. And then we had a uh, a key, a lot of coaching turnover as far as you up there in Cleveland with you guys, seventy one North. And then we had a, a huge loss on the, the defensive back uh, coaching ranks as far as Vance Joseph went down there to Miami. And we have a guy that's been here in Cincinnati before named Kevin Coyle that uh, a lot of defensive backs aren't too happy with right now as far as the way he's teaching the technique and uh, just where they, he wants guys lined up in this defense. And it's, uh, it's an adjustment period. Uh, the DBs aren't aren't too happy right now, but they've really got to get it cleaned up. Um, you got some guys who are in roles in defense that they they haven't been, you know. So you have a Reggie Nelson who's out there in Oakland at free safety. Uh, big loss. You got a guy named Sean Williams out of Georgia. He's been filling in. Not bad, but he's he's more of an in box uh, safety that is more can support the run game well, but he still has problems in coverage. And so is George Ioka. He hasn't been the greatest in uh, past coverage. And that's, you know, when you talk Reggie Nelson, he kind of he kind of disguised that where he, he was better in coverage. That way Ioka could pretty much play in the box. But right now you have two in-box safeties and you don't have a cover safety. So those are the issues that are hurting us right now. And then, you know, just father time is starting to look like to catch up with uh, – Adam Jones, when you, you start looking at him, he's having more and more leg issues and, and cramps, those kinds of things. And then, you know, as much in the line and the, the criticism that, you know, myself and a lot of the other Bengals fans had for Drake or Patrick, he's been our number one cornerback over this year. He's, he's played the best. And we're still waiting on the emergence of this first-round pick out of Michigan State when you're referring to a uh, dark West Denard. And – He's he's really got to show up. He's been in the slot and he's been getting beaten on multiple occasions. And what we're really starting to see is uh, the emergence of Josh Shaw, and they really need to go ahead and insert him into the starting lineup and, and bench Darquez Denard because he's been injured and missed a lot of uh, training camp, and it's really showing. Because when you talk that Pittsburgh game, the person who kept getting burnt uh, by third and and fourth option receivers uh, for Pittsburgh because they were missing their their second wide receiver with Martavius uh, Bryant, I believe, out, and even Wheaton, he was out. 
that game, and he was getting beat by the third and fourth receiver. That was Darquez Denard. So I look for, I hope you know Kevin Coyle, and I hope uh, Paul Gunther, the defensive coordinator. I hope they insert Josh Shaw into the secondary, into the starting, at least in the uh, starting uh, slot slot corner uh, position. <clears throat> yeah, and that lack of pass rush, and then also too the the lack of uh, coverage. Uh, Sammy Coates had like close to ninety yards in that Pittsburgh game, but when you look at that Broncos game, the Bengals lost that one twenty nine to seventeen. A similar offensive output, um, but you know Trevor Simeon throws for four touchdowns, three hundred six yards. And you talked about Father Time catching up with Pac-Man Jones. We know Sean Williams and Ioka kind of linked into that game. Um, they're even limited in practice in this short week, but. You know, if you're out there, you got to play and you got to cover those guys. And Emmanuel Sanders and Demarius Thomas had big days out there in that passing court for the Broncos and the young quarterback from Northwestern with the Broncos. They sure did. And, you know, that's also, you know, the defense, it comes down to that age-old thing when you talk time of possession. And I'd say every, every all three games so far this season, the Bengals have been on the, other, the wrong side of time of possession. And that's key in controlling the game. And, you know, when your running game struggles for most of the games, except for maybe uh, Sunday in, uh, against Denver, you know, that, that hurts. Because if you don't, you don't complete passes, you know, no clock goes off of uh, expires, no time expires from the clock. And those are issues where, you know, you really got to find a balance, a pass-run balance, and start getting some longer drives to keep the defense off the field, keep them fresh. And those are the issues we're having where, you know, just like this last game uh, with A.J. Green, he even said it. uh, He had a quote on Bengals.com where I've I've got to play better. You know, uh, Andy Dalton, they were were driving down the field late in the third. This is a a key drive late third going into the fourth, and it was a key third down, and he dropped the ball. And then uh, A.J. even said before that Andy had audibled and he had missed the, the hand check. And, you know, those kind of mental lapses, those are the difference between differences between wins and losses. Well, we do have to say congratulations, and we'll get some positive in here. Um, congratulations to A.J. Green. You know, one of the reasons he might have lacked concentration was he did have the birth of his son in between those two games. So uh, that's one thing that might have, you know, kept him up a little bit or some of that anxiety. But if you're out there on Sunday, there's no excuses. Uh, you look at that Broncos game, and I think one of the big positives was the explosion in that first quarter, in that almost first half of Jeremy Hill with the two rushing touchdowns. But like you said, Ken's and PZ kind of went away from him with the play calling. Um, you would have liked to see Jeremy Hill get a couple more chances at that rock, especially in the second half. That is correct. Uh, you know, it was, it was great to see because we haven't seen the running game uh, all year long, the first two games. And the third game to see it emerge in the first half was great. Um, you know, sometimes when you get behind a little bit, you press a little bit. And you will have a tendency to want to pass more than you do run. But like I said, you you've got to mix it up, and you got to keep defenses on their on their toes and on their on their heels, where the offense is actually attacking and not the defense dictating to you, you know, your play calling. So those those are things that have to be cleaned up, and especially on a short week, you, you don't have a lot of time when you're talking about Thursday night football, dealing with Miami. Uh, one of the things that needs to happen for the Bengals also with that offense is the emergence of a secondary receiver, uh, 
minutes I can talk, is the emergence of a secondary receiver, a secondary receiver that can be counted on. Uh, we know Tyler Boyd very much hyped. Uh, thought we were going to see more of him in the Pittsburgh game and also against Denver. But also, too, Brandon LaFell had a couple, you know, bad routes that he ran, especially in the red zone, one play in particular, um, and a drop. Uh, those guys have got to step up and help out Andy Dalton to be a little bit more successful. They they, they definitely do. And uh, when you look at a week, if you're – I don't know if you guys, are, you know, in this day and age, you're, you're playing fantasy football and those kinds of things, and you're looking at the numbers that uh, – Muhammad Sanu is putting up down there in Atlanta. And uh, really, you know, who the Bengals are really missing right now is up in Detroit is Marvin Jones Jr. He had a a 200-yard reception game uh, this past weekend, you know, and now you have new guys here and new roles on the offense. You know, Andy, he's a a guy who he's going to throw to a spot. And it's learning these new guys, and these new guys learning – knowing where they need to be in starting roles as far as a Tyler Boyd in the slot, a Brandon LaFell as the number two receiver on the outside. These guys, they, they've got to be in the right right time, right place, right spot, because Dalton will put it there, but they, they've got to be – Dalton's got to be able to trust them. And right now, you know, with Tyler Eifert out, A.J.'s the number one option. And sometimes, you know, when you, you don't have guys that you've worked with, in previous seasons, like a Sanu and Jones Jr., you start to force the ball to A.J. a little bit more, you know, because you don't have your, your normal options out there. And even that tight end, you know, especially with our Pro Bowl tight end, uh, Eifert, who it looks like he'll probably be out this Thursday night. So he'll probably be back that following Sunday, it looks like, because he's been starting to work out, starting to practice with the team and everything else like that. So a C.J. Uzuma and Tyler Croft, the tight end, they, they've got to step up. They've got to step up. We, we had a lot of drops in Pittsburgh with, from the tight end position, especially C.J. Uzuma and uh, Tyler Croft. And it came around third down, and those are drive killers, you know, because the quarterback's best friend is a uh, big tight end over the middle. So those are things that have to get cleaned up, you know, just with the receiving corpse outside of A.J. Green. Absolutely, absolutely. We look at that Thursday night football matchup and the return of number 55. Talk about how important and just the emotional lift that they can give to this Bengals team, both sides of the ball and the special teams unit. Well, you know, Vontez Burfick, uh, he's a he's a favorite in Cincinnati. He may not be understood outside of uh, Cincinnati area, but he is a uh, a great great linebacker. Excuse me, and a and a, a, a just a great defensive leader, defensive captain for the defense. And you know, you miss that personality, that fire, that spirit, that emotional charge leader that gets your gets your team pumped up and fired up to go out there to war. And, and we've been missing our defensive captain. So it'll be great to see Burfick. I know he'll probably be, even though he's been working out. It's a difference between uh, even doing yoga, those kinds of things. What I've been reading on Bengals.com and Cincy Jungle some other websites, you know, but it's it's a difference from being in football shape. So I'm sure this first game he'll be limited in snaps. But just to have his presence on the field will be definitely a big lift for the defense. And, uh, you know, just like that game in Pittsburgh where we basically looked like, uh, you know, we made D'Angelo Williams look like the second coming uh, of uh, Jim Brown out there or whatever. So, you know, just him being able to help 
clean up, you know, and he raps. He's such a great tackler as far as rapping running backs, you know, getting in the hole and, and, and stopping guys from getting four and five yards and changing it back to a one-yard loss or only a one-yard game. That's big because, you know, football is a game engine. So it's, it, it's a great addition. You know, it's almost like getting a draft pick or a first-round draft pick or something to, to basically come back in and, and start. He has definitely uh, definitely been missed. So we're, we're happy to see Vontez perfect, man. And we think that's going to be an emotional return. Uh, the energy will be pumping in uh, Paul Brown Stadium. I mean, Thursday night football, the host at home game. It will definitely be exciting. Uh, one of the things that I can do, and i got a bold prediction, but uh, after the Dolphins played the Browns, I have very good observations about this Dolphins team. But you're talking about a team that has one of the highest-paid defenses with Adamican Sue, Cameron yes. Wake, Mario Williams on their front-line defense. But they don't play real inspired for a full uh, 48 minutes. Uh, they had a very close game week one with Seattle, which they should have won, but once again, Ryan Tannehill couldn't finish the job, and some of his receivers let him down. They go toe-to-toe with uh, New England with Jeremy Garoppolo as a backup, but he made that secondary look bad, 31-24. to And a third-string quarterback with the Cleveland Browns and uh, a former Bengal and Terrell Pryor uses some trickeration and every kind of play you can call for a guy <laughs> Uh, we're able to take them to OT. So you're looking at a Dolphins team on a short week who's got some injuries also that they're fighting. Uh, This sets up very well for the Bengals at home, especially with all that energy that we just talked about. That is correct. And, you know, with the Bengals, it's looked like the first three weeks, like they're just just missing something. You know, they've been a little bit lethargic. Uh, You haven't seen that that uh, those emotions, that fire w- that we saw uh, coming out the gate last year, it's been, it, you can tell that we're missing something. We're, I don't know what it is, but, uh, you know, with Burfick, hopefully that's that, that emotional charge, you know, to kind of rally the troops and, and for everybody to, you know, the team to galvanize and get ready to go on a run because you really can't afford, you know, with these home games. You can't blow home games. you got to protect your house. And – you know, you can't afford to go one and three. You know, we're at one and two. You got to get ready to climb out this hole and uh, get back into the race of the AFC North. So I really do think that uh, the Bengals, I think they will be better prepared. I think you'll see a different team. They'll be motivated. You'll see that fire, that spark that we need to see from players and and get that extra effort you need to go ahead and get that win. And I think uh, – I think Miami, the Dolphins, they're, they're walking into a, uh, a buzz kill right now, coming up here, you know, on a uh, short week, having to travel all the way from South Florida, coming up here to Cincinnati. And, uh, you know, that Denver game really left a bad taste in uh, all of Cincinnati and the, and, and the Bengals' uh, mouth, you know. So, you know, losing to a rookie quarterback is really unacceptable. Uh, with Denver, and, you know, I really believe the Bengals will take it out on the Dolphins this uh, Thursday night. He's a second-year quarterback, but it's okay. Um, Second, yeah, my bad, second year, but this is a first-year start, which is unacceptable. Um, One of the things about this Dolphins team, they come in, Jarvis Landry's a little banged up coming in with a hamstring issue. They don't have a feature running back. Uh, Arian Foster, who they had made their primary running back, is still going to be out for this game with a groin injury. They don't bring a lot to the table. And the one thing that I've noticed in all these games, they get to a point where if the Bengals can match their intensity and exceed it, 
these Dolphins will fold. So that's my bold prediction for Thursday night football. It's always a weird game on Thursday nights, but with the energy of the crowd in Cincinnati and the return of Vontez Murphy, I think that overwhelms these Dolphins, and at some point we'll see them fold like chairs. I, I agree. I agree. I think uh, the Burfitt coming back, that, that should help us. That should put us over the top. And just like you said, uh, for all that money, that defense, they're paying on Miami. They're, they're very inconsistent. You know, and Mario Williams has kind of been a bust ever since he left uh, Houston to go to Buffalo and all the way traveling back down to South Florida with the, uh, with the Dolphins. But uh, like I said, you know, Cameron Wake is always historically, you know, the, the game in Miami when we played, Cincinnati played down in Miami, he ended it on a safety. So we, we really have to get the offensive line together, get the protections right, and get the run just, I mean, from pass blocking to run blocking. They both have to improve because uh, Cameron Wake is dangerous and he can he can wreck a game. If we can uh, keep him under wraps, keep him blocked, and keep Sue under under uh, containment, you know, Russell Bodine, he's got to play a better game at center because he's going to be – Right over his nose, you know. If we can, we can do those two things as far as that defense is concerned. We should be fine, and uh, offensively, we should be able to put up some points and have one of those kind of explosion games to really kind of get the uh, the offense back on track. Yeah, get that momentum going. And you talk about inconsistent. Ryan Tannehill has been inconsistent, and that's one of the big things. A seventy-five million dollar contract, or I think it's seventy-seven million dollar contract he signed down there in Cincinnati. I mean, since that down there in Miami, Miami. One, one, one of the things you think about, he threw two touchdowns last week to a secondary that didn't have Joe Hayden. They did have the former Dolphin, Jamar Taylor, so he knew a little bit of Tannehill's tendencies. But he gives a lot of opportunities up. So maybe that secondary that we talked about struggled against the Broncos and, and against the Steelers, you know, has a better night Thursday night. I, I really think this all just sets up for them to bounce back, you know, in all phases of the game and, you know, I, it's, just, it's just all right there on the Thursday night game with that. I mean, we can't say it enough that short week and all that good stuff. Yeah. I, I, I agree because, you know, if you go back to the Denver game, the secondary had opportunities, uh, had two, two easy. You had one, a floater. It looked like a punt because one of the defensive ends uh, hit the quarterback uh, and it was a floater. And just, you know, you had a linebacker and dang near a cornerback running each other and dropped the interception. So we had a couple interceptions dropped by the secondary that the years prior we normally intercept that and, and it we if we don't turn it into a touchdown it's a big game. So I, I really look for you know Tannehill almost reminds me of uh, Fitzpatrick a little bit. They try to throw in the windows that aren't there or their arm strength isn't strong enough and you're going to have some opportunities to uh, turn over the ball and intercept the ball. So I hope the secondary you know brings their A game and is really alert and kind of reads this, this kid's uh, eyes. Because, you know, normally with younger quarterbacks, they normally telegraph where they're going with uh, passes. And there should be some opportunities to make some turnovers for the defense and to help the offense out as far as switching uh, field position. Absolutely. Well, let's get a prediction, a score prediction from you, Garrett. Uh, I think we're both in agreement. I know people might be shocked. I'm excited for the Bengals to win this Thursday night football game, but I still got a bad taste in my mouth what the Dolphins did to the Browns. So uh, I, I saw them. I, I saw them for the, the, the fake, fake football team that they are. But go ahead, I'm sorry. I definitely, I definitely understand, and uh, you guys should have that kicker running laps up there in uh, Cleveland because he sh- he definitely should have made that kick 
and you should guys should have never went to overtime. But I, I like what you was doing, and he's going to get you guys together. But uh, my, as far as my prediction is concerned, I look for Cincinnati to uh, to really kind of make a statement and really win in all three phases of this game because normally the team that has to travel on a short week on Thursday night, normally they normally struggle, just like last week when you look at uh, – uh, Houston Texans, how they got blown out against New England. So I look for this game maybe around 31-17 Cincinnati over Miami. All right, and that's a prediction from Garrett Staples. If you want to interact with us during these games and during the weekend of the NFL action, make sure you're following Garrett at Ohio Player 80, following at with an Ohio bias all together, and uh, like the Facebook page, and also you'll get a lot of two-day action on there, the Garrett Post there. So you got many avenues to go back and forth with us when it comes to all the NFL action, especially what happened 71 South with the Cincinnati Bengals. We thank you for listening, and we will be with you next week. Garrett, you want to sign off? Hey, I just I just had a great time uh, talking Bengals football, bangled them uh, within the walls and the confines of Cincinnati with everybody here in the great state of Ohio. 71 North, you know, Central Ohio, you know, we're pushing out this great information to you guys, and I'm, I'm very excited, and I look for the Bengals to rebound here Thursday night on a short week, so it'll be exciting. Uh, you have some great color rush jerseys. It'll be very exciting to see uh, the Bengals in the all-white and uh, to go ahead and get this win. Who they? Very good, man. Very good. Yeah, I was very there. Right. I, I watched that game, and then it just – it just turns out well because they were playing the Dolphins. So, you know, yeah. I, I didn't really have to. I, had to, I really didn't have to go digging for no research. You know what I mean? Exactly. You just seen them. You didn't see them yeah. firsthand. Yeah. And I mean, I'm, I'm not like I can say it genuinely. It's not like I'm faking anything like that. This is a very inconsistent football team. They have played well for stretches, uh-huh. but they will give it up. So I really think they will give up this game. As long as the Bengals come out with momentum and get up on them, they'll fold. Right. They'll fold right. easily. So. Right. I didn't understand, man. I was like, I thought they would really start to to turn, you know, to turn the page and really start getting it going. But I was like, man, really, they really got blown out in New England. They really didn't come back until the end when, you know, it seemed like guys weren't really playing as hard for New England and everything else like that because they were down by like 21 to nothing at halftime, yeah. you know, so – and that's what I think. That's what I predict. Like I predict, like a twenty-one to seven or twenty-one to three at halftime for this game because it's. 30, you know what I mean? I just think that energy and everything like that. And I think yeah. Burfitt, I think they're going to do some blitzes and bring Burfitt after Tannehill. So I think they're going to try to get after him early. So exactly. And, I, and their, their left tackle. I forgot to say this. Their left tackle is hurt for Miami down uh-huh. there. I can't remember the dude's name, but he's going to be out for the game. So you know that blind side is going to be wide open for Tannehill. Wow. Well, now, now I know you. You know, I know you're a diehard Browns fan. Does it? Does it, Do you see improvement under you? Even though I think you guys are really like you traded away a lot of the offensive line, and then as far as the defensive line, I know you guys got to rebuild that defensive line. Here's my honest assessment: I can't tell anything until I see talent in his system. Right. You know, it, right. it's one thing to get guys to play hard and above their level, but you can't sustain right. that for a 16 game season. So exactly. a, I need to see elite talent in his system. Then we know what we got. Right, because he's basically he's basically which all coaches do when they come in. They normally clean house from all the the old guys from another coach to bring in their system. So it's going to take a year or two of drafts before you can really make a fair assessment. I agree. But 
But most of the time, they bring in a guy like, you talk about Marvin Jones. These guys didn't mm-hmm. have their stuff together up there. They literally said, yeah, we didn't they would They should have signed Marvin Jones. There's no way he should be playing in Detroit. Exactly. exactly. So, like, you know what I mean? I can't tell what he got because he couldn't even get uh, the veterans. Most coaches, like when Man Genie came in with the Browns, he brought a bunch of dudes from the Jets that was off the, you know, either right. was like, you know, backup guys, right. couples, you know, uh, uh, practice squad guys. But they bring in at least 10 players with them when they come. You know what I mean? So that's what yeah. is a real bad thing going on up there with this analytics system where I think Marvin's fight. I mean, Marvin, I think he was fighting to get the control like Marvin had. You know what I mean? Down there. Right. Where, you know, right. I can bring the personnel. If I say, hey, I want this guy, it's because I want this guy. He's a personnel guy that fits my system. You know what I mean? So that's what right. I'm saying. So I can see the talent in there, you know. Yeah. Um, yeah, you I, can't it's, make like say, it's no moral victories, and I can't make no yeah assessment. Yeah. And well, my hope, my hope, you know, is that you know you finally got a legitimate coach there that this this numb nuts uh, has them. We'll just give him time to to fix it, man, and let him and give him that control where he can go ahead and get the guys he needs for his system. Well, I think long as they're not getting embarrassed, he'll have that time. My days, like yeah. that Sunday game, it was it was heartbreak as we know very well in Cleveland, but it wasn't. It wasn't an embarrassment. You know what I mean? Right. It's not like they're right. getting the doors blown off of them. And I'm going to tell you this. I got another bold prediction that's going on the other podcast. They're going to beat New England. Who? The Browns. We saw with Brady back. Yep, they're going to beat New England. Just watch. Like, Belichick hasn't had time to prepare for somebody like Terrell Pryor. With that, Josh Gordon will be back. They will not be able to get back with that offense. McCown's trying to come back and play. I don't see that happening. But even if it's just Kessler, they can beat New England. It's not going to be pretty, but it's happened before. They always – the Browns always catch one team slipping. Man, Genie beat the hell out of New England. I was at that game. They beat them 55 to, like, 20. Um, right. They beat, they beat the Giants, like, probably, like, six years ago on a Monday night. We won a few months, but they beat the crap out of them. Like, yeah, I mean, it's just one game that they always get. And, and the way that this team's playing right now, it sets up that that'll be the game, that they'll be able to catch them. Plus, the game's going to be in Cleveland, and it's going to be the last game that people can really get hyped for, and it's not going to be cold yet. So it, it, I, it just sets up one of those things. That's my bold prediction. It might not happen, but I think it will happen. I don't think, I agree. I, I don't, I don't think that defense is, is, is healthy enough to sustain what they've been doing. He's had great mm-hmm. game plans for the people that he's going against, but you can't game plan for something that you've never seen. And I think that's, that's going to be the test match that he loses against Hugh Jackson. Oh, you think? Do you think uh, Pryor is going to start that game at quarterback? I think we'll see him play at least 15 snaps at quarterback to throw to Josh Gordon five okay. times or so. You know what okay. I mean? Like just because it'll make sense because he's got a bigger, bigger arm than Cody Kessler. Gotcha. Wow. <laughs> okay. And how do you okay. like you you like you know? Okay, they both get on the field. You think he's going to run? You know what I mean? It's just one of those things. Those guys they can't. As good as Belichick is, he's not going to be able to set those guys up mentally. Terrell Pryor was running around DBs like it was it, it, like they were like you know uh, uh, practice dummies out there. Like those guys, right. they don't have the speed. They're too hurt on defense. Right, right. Now where did where did Kessler? Y'all draft just drafted him this year. He's a rookie. Yeah, he's a rookie from USC. USC. Okay, gotcha. He he stinks. He stinks. He just—he's—he's—he's he's 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 small. He's got a, a, a not big arm. Like he's just mm-hmm. not the guy that you want. You know what I mean? Like there, there's so, five or six other quarterbacks. Like, I, I think Charlie Whitehurst can do all right out here. Honestly, so, I mean, you just need a guy to be able to throw down the field just a little bit. We actually been running the ball all right. Isaiah Crowell is the number two rushing running back in the NFL right now. Like, right, we've been so actually running the ball a little bit. So basically, then you guys are going to be getting ready to draft one here sooner than later, if not next year. 
No, we'll take the quarterback. Though. We don't take a quarterback in the first round next year with our top pick. Yeah, you know, I'm gonna tell you this right now. Those guys, uh, Paul D. Podesta and all those uh, Harvard guys up there, will be you know right. getting chased out of there with pitchforks. So people are right. tired of it because this Carson Wentz thing is not sitting well in Cleveland. So yeah, they they they're really and they and you know guys like what's what's the guy that. DB, DB from the Jets, uh, coach the Jets. Uh, he's been rubbing oh. in, too. Uh, hey, Reed. Her, Herm Edwards. He's been rubbing oh, yeah, in, yet because you guys in draft went. So. I just think he's going to be good either. I'll be honest. I thought the dude, I mean, guy played in North Dakota State, had a broke wrist half a year. You can't tell me this guy is going to do this in the NFL. I don't bet. Hey, this is why I have a podcast and I'm not on ESPN, I guess. I don't know. You know what I mean? So, right, right. I, no, on I that one, I was wrong. Good. I thought he would be good because he's he's one of those big rugged kind of guys. He kind of favored a little bit of he he not the way he moves, but he's just a bigger guy like Roethlisberger. And those guys just tend to do better, man. And I think you know, especially playing up there, in Cleveland on the lake, and like when it gets cold and stuff like that or whatever, you need a rugged quarterback. Now is is, is uh, RG three done for the year or what? I mean, yeah. I mean, even if he was to come back, he's not coming back to like week ten or something like that. He's gonna get hurt again. I mean, the guy doesn't. You know what I mean? It's just one of those things, and you don't have time with that. I mean, I, the one guy that I want now, but he's getting he's getting mentally messed up with Notre Dame is Kaiser because he's from Toledo. So you talk about somebody that's a little bit bigger. Guy knows what the weather's like in this area. You know what I mean? Uh-huh. Like, right. You, that, that's what you're looking for to come in, but um, and. You can't go through the next season doing the same thing with RG3 again. Yeah, like you got to move on and go ahead and start with the future. So I'm hoping – and I'm, I'm looking for another quarterback to emerge in college football right now. I really haven't seen anybody that I'm, you know, that excited right. about. So I'm right. not on the Deshaun Watson bandwagon either because people forget he got hurt a lot his first two seasons. So. Right, 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 right. It's going to be interesting to see what you guys do or – I would, you know, try to make a a, a moving free agency, man. You know, a younger guy like, but even though I know, like, I know you guys would would really like to try to get McCarron, but I don't know if they'll make that deal, man. No, I doubt they won't it. make that individual deal. Mm-hmm. Um, they would have to take. They would have to trade a first round pick for somebody, and I don't think that's going. I don't think these guys would do that. Yeah, I mean, only if they could trade Joe Thomas and Joe Hayden, which I also been calling for. For like mm-hmm. that kind of a package deal, for like if they could get Paxton Lynch off the Broncos or something like that, you know what I mean? Right. Like, it would have to right. be somebody that sight unseen that they still don't know what they really got or they don't know what it is. So, um, exactly. Exactly. It would be interesting this season, so. Definitely, definitely. I agree. Well, all right, buddy. All right, man. I'll send it to you when it's done, sir. So. Okay. Appreciate it. All right, man. Take care. Take care. Bye, bye.